back to the champions playbook from inside the studio down here at franklin bridge so uh we've been plugging it a lot but we are now in the studio recording the podcast which is amazing if you guys are watching on youtube um first of all if you're listening to this on audio thank you so much but you need to turn around and then watch it on youtube when you're you know late at night right before you go to bed if you want to get some golf knowledge in it's a great way uh not to fall asleep to be entertained so (laughs) Don't want to have you guys falling asleep, and we're going to try our best to uh, be super entertaining for you guys here today because we have an awesome guest, and so we're going to let that linger for a little bit while we plug our stuff. So um, we got to thank our sponsors for this season of the Champions Playbook. Number one, Strixon. Uh, they they fuel our game, and so we want to make sure that, that they're known not only throughout Franklin Bridge but on the podcast as well. They make amazing stuff, um, and we were actually out today. I was putting with my Cleveland putter, doing an awesome putting uh, drill, which we'll talk about later in the podcast. Super short putter, that's right. Um, and then, of course, I've been playing my ZX7s, which have been amazing. So um, make sure that you check out Strixon if you guys are in the time to switch up clubs because they're the best so uh thank you strixon uh next one is going to be arcos arcos is sponsoring cracking the code i'm wearing the cracking the code shirt uh you guys can check it out if you guys are on youtube watching us just go ahead and search the champions playbook there um but cracking the code that's awesome and arcos is really going to be a crucial factor in everybody getting better so if you guys don't know what arcos is arcos is a stat tracking software um, and hardware that goes on the ends of your clubs and you can track your way around the course so if you're hitting um, let's say your eight iron 140 yards you can know and then arcos will go around and when you have a, a shot that is going to line up to your eight iron it'll suggest your eight iron for you so uh, and it'll count how many your carry distance and uh, and and your total distance and how high and, and how you hit it. So um, make sure that you check out Arcos as well. Use our promo code one rule fifteen O N E R U L E one five and you can get fifteen percent off your first purchase with Arcos. So thank you Arcos for sponsoring this podcast. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to Scott because Scott's going to introduce our awesome guest for today. Um, a, huge part in the development here at Franklin Bridge, a program that we use in order to um, develop primarily juniors, I'd say. But I want to let Scott introduce our guest and then have him talk about all about what they do. So without further ado, Scott, why don't you introduce who we have? Well, uh, so as Jack mentioned, uh, kind of a focus on juniors, but it's not just for juniors. Um, So we've primarily focused it on juniors. I've done a little bit with some, some ladies and some beginners there. Uh, but it's a program called Operation 36. Um, I'm going to let our guest kind of explain kind of how it got started and a little more detail about what it's about. But it's been an important part of our development, um, even to the point where in order to participate in PGA Junior League uh, this summer for us, you had to have passed uh, a minimum of the 25-yard requirement and into the 50-yard. So it kind of allowed us to have kids with a little bit more experience, but we're still beginners in the game, um, plus gave them – an incentive to a little bit over what they would normally be asked to do, but like, Hey, I want to play in PGA junior league. What do I got to do? We've got to pass 25 yards. So, um, that's been a great tool for us. We're excited about expanding into it, um, into 2023 with some additions of some staff to really be able to expand 
this Operation 36 model. So, um, but uh, the guests we have on, we were going to have two guests, uh, co-authors of the book, How to Create a Junior Golfer, the Operation 36 model, uh, Ryan Daly and Matt Reagan. We've got Ryan on with us um, tonight via Zoom. Uh, so hopefully we can get this thing recorded and put together on the YouTube so you can kind of see their uh, side by side there or picture in picture there on YouTube so you can kind of see Ryan uh, there kind of speaking. But um, Ryan, if you will, kind of share where this came about. If I'm remembering com- correct, I've had to kind of go back where I first heard about Op 36. Did it get started in the Texas section? Is that Am I correct in thinking that or no? Uh, no, it went there fairly early, but uh, it started in North Carolina, the Tar Heel State, um, where we began just south of Raleigh. Um, and that's where we started, and we kind of did it on our own for a while. And then in 2016... We decided to, just because coaches started reaching out to us and saying, how do we do what you do? We had no intention of doing that. Um, We started training other coaches. And then, like, today we're at 660 locations around the world. I mean, it's just, like, incredible with close to 100,000 people. And I say people, meaning juniors and adults, because we're 50-50 now, 50% juniors and 50% adults. Wow, really? Um, I I didn't know that. That's, That's new news. That's exciting. Yeah, we, we started out with kids because we love kids. I had my first child in uh, 2009. And I was trying to figure out a way f- to get him to the courts and create a pact or a community out there for him to grow up. And it slowly grew from there to uh, we got 80 to 100 students here in North Carolina. And then uh, then we lost half of our students. That's kind of our shtick, our story. We failed. We lost half of our students. And, and uh, the reason we lost them is because we never made them into golfers. We just brought them to the course and threw footballs and kick soccer balls and had a good time listening to Kenny Chesney on big speakers. Um, but the parents after paying us for four years, um, were like, Hey, are we going to do another year of this? Cause they don't even know how to play. They're not even motivated to play. So then we had to retool what we do into some sort of on course focused format. And it's interesting. You brought up PGA junior league, Scott, because when we were trying to figure out what to do, we tried everything. We tried U.S. Kids. We tried TPI. We tried PGA Junior League. And everything was great for step two, three, and four. But nobody had a step one. So we had to figure out how do we get somebody started so they know where to stand. They know how to uh, putt because that's the hardest part, right? Putting is the hardest part in golf when you're just starting out. How do you get somebody to write down a score? How do you get somebody to just be motivated to want to play the game of golf? And that's how it started. And we, we looked at other sports and we said, what are other sports doing? And I'm a big ice hockey fan. And uh, what we used to do as a kid growing up is our coach used to split the ice rink into thirds. And instead of playing full length ice hockey, five on five, we play three on three back and forth. And we got to touch the puck so many more times. We got to shoot so many more times. And then we looked at basketball. Basketball for my daughter has a lower hoop, a smaller ball. And I'm like, why are we putting these kids on the tee box? Like, this makes no sense. So then we said, all right, let's adapt this for golf. And just like you said, our first level is 25 yards away. Every student's challenged to shoot 36 or better. Every hole's a par four. And more often than not, the first time out, a kid makes four. They might chunk it and then top it on the green and then miraculously two putt. Miraculously two putt. And then they go home just so excited that they made their first ever par. And that's what we're trying to do. Yeah, I, I think that's been one of the cool things for me is I have to remember, you know, I, I work with 
high-level college players, college programs around the country, helping their coaches, high-level amateurs, a couple of mini-tour guys. It's like it's so easy when you're in that top mode to be in performance mode all the time that like the ability to switch down into the – and it's not so much age. Like there's some really accomplished nine-year-olds. Um, and so – but you got some beginners. I've got a couple boys that are 13 and 14 years old that are in the program – and they're having to pass 25 and 50 yards, but they're getting to play. And we finished this fall. They're like, wait, we're dumb. Like, can, can we keep going? Typically it's been in my experience back when I was in Birmingham was also, okay, well we got them on the driving range. That's cool for six weeks or for a week long thing. And you don't ever see them come back. Cause like, why? Like they don't know how to play the game. So I think it's really neat that the model that you have um, together for it. Um, so I really want to get into the book a little bit. Um, and I love that you wrote a book. I, I think books are fantastic. I've written two myself. Um, I think we've kind of lost this idea of like reading's a good thing. You know, we're so used sure. to just consuming all the time instead of sitting oh, yeah. down and being intentional and like understanding, you know, parents always ask like, well, what do I do with my three year olds? Like, well, I don't have a program yet for them, but we're, we're coming on that. Actually just go out and have some fun with your kid. You know, like sure. they just want to be with you wherever you are at three, four, five, six years old. They just want to be with you. So, and if your kid decides after four holes, they don't want to play anymore, you know, have other things there with you. Then I tell, I tell the parents, don't let the kid have complete control. Say, Hey, we're going to play one more and then we're okay with go home. So like you still get to be a parent, but, just leave. And it's been a wonderful advice to a couple of uh, students when I was back in Birmingham, especially. Um, but if you will just kind of take us through the structure of the book first. Um, sure. and then I have a couple of parts in there that I really thought were kind of neat, uh, that I'd like to bring up, but if you'll take us through it and maybe why you wrote it, I guess is important too. Yeah. Um, the number one purpose of why we wrote it was to create a resource for parents. It's really for parents. And if, um, a parent being a parent myself and Matt being a parent as well and, and helping parents over the years, one of the things that always goes through our minds and especially our parents that come down for golf is they're wondering on a constant basis, is my kid in the best school that I can provide? Is my kid in the best church? Should we be going to a different church down the street? Uh, is my kid in the best basketball program that I can provide? Is, is the coach for violin the right coach for my child? And you're always wondering this, like this goes through my mind all the time. And parents ask me all the time, well, what should I be looking for? And so after doing this for Matt and I have combined 35 years of experience, like we have ideas. We're just like, all right, let's put it down in a let's put it down on a piece of paper and see how far it goes. And three years ago, we started the book. It got to 400 pages. And then our editor after three years said, you can't put out a 400 page book for parents. <laughs> <laughs> And so she pared it down to 125. So now in about two to three hours, a parent can read this and they'll be armed with the knowledge and understanding of what to look for and also what not to look for when they're trying to find the best program possible to develop a love of playing the game of golf. And I just want to sit on that term for a while. Love of playing the game of golf. So then your child will be like, hey, dad, let's go play golf today. I want to go on the golf course. And that's what we're trying to create is a love for that. Like my boys yesterday, they were like, dad, let's go play golf today. So we went out, we walked nine holes, we had a blast and they dictate the challenge, which is kind of interesting. Right. So like they, one boy, uh, my oldest decided to start at 200. 
Uh, the other one, my younger one, decided to start at 100. And when we play casually, they just go back and forth on the yardages based on how they're playing that day. So then if they're playing really good, then they keep moving back. If they're lacking confidence and like topping the ball that day, they'll move forward. But we'll finish in an hour and a half. We'll have a nice, you know, hot dog and French fries after. And when they actually play in their nine hole event in Op 36, they'll play from their yardage the whole nine holes. But I think this gives parents a little bit of knowledge and understanding of what to do on the course with them. And then also when you're comparing two schools or two churches or two golf coaches, what what do you really want to look for when you're when you're bringing your son or daughter into the game? And uh, that's that's really the main purpose. And then um, 400 pages would have been a lot for somebody to digest. <laughs> that's great. So good. Um Ryan, I got a question for you before we kind of dive into some specifics in the book. Is uh, my question is, why do you think this hasn't existed before? It seems like such a logical way to get into the game, yet, yeah. uh, and and it some in some ways it exists in current golf. You play, you know, the blue tees versus the gold tees versus the white tees based on your skill level. But why do you think that it took us so long to find this? I mean, I'm even going to call it just an abstract way of approaching the game because it hasn't been done before. Why is it taken so long? And uh, talk us through that initial success when people started really giving you great feedback. Sure. I would, I would say a disclaimer, we aren't the first to ever do this. Like if you, if you're a golf historian, you love, reading golf books like I do Harvey Pennock and his little red books as if you're a beginner you should start close to the hole and then move back so like we didn't create the concept there's other really good coaches who have come up to us after seminars and said hey I've been doing this for 25 years starting at the hole moving back so by no means are we claiming that we started this but what we did is we branded it and we marketed it that it's cool and it's okay and it's encouraged to start close to the hole and move back. And there's always a greater purpose. So there's a big goal. You're trying to shoot 36. But as we all know, they're not going to shoot 36 the first time. The average score of everybody in the program when they start 25 yards away, if they're actually a beginner, is 48. So when somebody starts at 48, for them to go from 48 to 36, they're not going to do that in one round. right? So our mantra is always one stroke better every time. So if Scott came off the course and he shot a 48, I'd just say to him, hey, Scott, do you think you can get one stroke better? And he'd be like, yeah. And I'd be like, well, how do you think you can? He said, well, my putting, I need to work on that. I said, all right, go work on your putting. We'll see you next weekend. And then he comes back and he shoots a 45 and you just slowly go small steps at a time, Jack, which I think is the secret sauce to our success is we're just trying to go small chunk, small chunk, small chunk, and then if somebody wants to make this game really hard, they can do this for 10 years and get all the way to the back tees. And shooting 36 from the back tees is pretty pretty challenging. But to your second question, which is the feedback that we got, uh, there's, some, there's some great stories about this. But when we first came up with the idea in 2015 was when we started the playing component. We didn't really know what we were doing. So we took our 40 students we had left and we said, here's the idea that we have. 25, 50, 100, 150, 200, red tees, all the way back to the black tees. The goal is to shoot 36. We asked the students, we said, what yardage do you think you can beat 36 at? And that was a complete disaster because <laughs> they all they all chose yardages that were way above their challenge point. So the kids went out from like 200 yards and shot 58. 
right? Kid went out from 150 and shot 57. And then we were like, all right, you need to go back a yardage. So then they went to 150 and 100. That was still too hard. And after like a month of doing that, we were like, all right, scrap that idea. Let's <laughs> let's go look at some of the other sports and see what they do. And we went to a karate place and everybody starts in white belt, right? Like you don't start in the middle belt. Everybody starts, like if, even if you're an adult, you start in white belt. So we're like, all right, everybody starts 25. And once we did that is when the light bulb came on because every single person coming off the course had a smile and every person was excited. They might not have beaten 36, but they came in with hope and they had the hope that they could actually do it and beat the yardage. And I mean, myself included, whenever I lose hope with something, I don't even want to do it. So the, when the, uh, the secret sauce for us was figuring out how to start everybody at 25 versus giving them a choice. Totally. And there's a, I mean, golf is one of those games where you hit one amazing shot and it just keeps you coming back. Right. We're kind of exercising a similar principle just at a more construct in a more constructive way. Would you agree? Yeah. Oh, hundred percent, a hundred percent. And I mean, you, I think you have to be mature enough in your golf game to appreciate that one good shot enough that it gives you enough motivation to come back. And I, I believe a beginner doesn't have the maturity yet and they need to be able to write down a score that's respectable enough that they can go home and tell dad who's reading the newspaper, Hey dad, I shot a 38 today. And dad's like, what? I've never shot a 38. How'd you shoot a 38? <laughs> yeah. and, and the kids, the kids super excited. And he comes to class the next week, coach Ryan, I need to beat 36. My dad's never shot 36 before. What do I need to do? And I look at his stats and I'm like, all right, well you had 22 putts this weekend. We need to work on your putting. I don't like to practice putting. So, well, if you want to be 36, you've got to practice your putting because you hit every green. And they're like, okay, I'll practice putting. And they go practice putting. They beat 36. And they get that, you know, jolt of motivation and inspiration. They're ready for 50 yards. And then they're ready for junior league when it comes that summer. And then they're off and running for private lessons and then high school and then college. And just back to our beginning point, all we are is step one. Like there's already step two, three, four, or five. There's some wonderful programs out there, but we just happened to get lucky enough that we came along when there wasn't a really good first step yet. You know, so what's really cool about this model is, so I came up, came up here to start on my own during COVID year. So I've been teaching for 10 years and I got to kick a junior program off in the middle of COVID come up April one. Like, okay, um, we're going to compete internally and all the kids are going to stay far apart. It's like, this is, this isn't great. So that wasn't a great start, but I knew operation 36 and PJ junior league were going to be very entry level. Like I didn't even care if we lost every match of PJ junior league, whatever, let's just kind of get this thing going. And then last year we got it going and I knew it usually takes about three to five years to build up a junior program. It's kind of like almost running itself, if you will. And into this third year, you know, I've gotten enough kids that are in high school, you know, because there's plenty of teachers already in the area, right? So I was able to kind of grab some new students and got some kids in the kind of that elite level. And I've got the bottom tier, but I didn't have the middle tier. So we just kept running op 36 this year. And I was like, all right, if they can get to 150 yards, I'll add them to my pre-elite group. And yeah. most of those pre-elite kids have already been practicing and playing for two years. And so they've shown that they have enough dedication, enough practice for me to put them in their pre-elites. Probably still a little young for it, but 
I finally have a complete junior program from bottom to top. So I had the bottom and had awesome. the top, but Operation 36 allowed me to start filling the middle because I could already kind of separate out who's ready for that and who's not. Yep. So, you know, Op 36 was great for that. I, I think um, you mentioned something earlier about um, the challenge point, and it's on page 34 of the book. Uh, I love the chart because it's so helpful. Visuals are great. We're visual people, right? Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. But you've got task challenge um, and player skill level task challenge. Um, we may put this up on the YouTube too. Um, but um, so when we look at this, I th the game's just too hard. You know, I watch all these girls and some of these boys, but mostly in the girls, they're in high school and – Oh, my team advanced to the regional, and our scores were ninety-eight to one hundred and twenty. I was like, "That's miserable!" Like, why? And they don't have a whole lot of motivation to practice because they're so bad. Like, and I like I genuinely feel bad. They're they parents start them and coaches start them at a hundred and something, you know, at full tees. I was like, "What are you doing?" They can't have any success from there. They're making twelves on holes, and yep. it's just like. Well, my she doesn't want to practice. Well, no, duh, she's terrible. Like, right, right. And it's it's not her fault. You know, we're not we're not setting yep. her up for success. And I really like how you put that together. Um, if you'll explain that challenge point a little bit, um, it'd be awesome because you mentioned it there. I thought it was great. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I would say school teachers do a wonderful job of this, right? Uh, music teachers do a wonderful job of this. This was just karate teachers do a wonderful yeah. job of this we just adapted it for golf and all it says is that there's a certain skill level that somebody has whatever that is and then there's a, a task whether it's a easy medium or hard task and what you're trying to do as the coach is you're trying to make sure that you don't have them on the fringes so like if if uh if you give somebody something really really hard to do they're going to get so frustrated that they're not going to want to do it and that was us putting the kids at the tee box it was also us putting them we did uh, carry distance for tee boxes at 1.2. And a pretty good story on that was interesting. We had a kid, Jed, I'll never forget him, fantastic guy. He came in army cargo pants to class every week. He had a two-liter of Mountain Dew. He had a two-liter of Mountain no. Dew in his pocket every time that he came. Great guy. And on TrackMan, he carried it 245. Now, it wasn't straight. It was like at a 45-degree angle to the right. But based on <laughs> Based on his yardage, he had to play from the white tees on our course. So we went out to the course, and he just pumped ball after ball into the trees. And he just walked off. He said, I don't want to play golf. So that he was over-challenged. Now, uh, the other end of that is to under-challenge somebody and make it too easy. So like if we went and asked Jack, hey, Jack, let's see how many one-foot putts you can make in a row. Like I would think that after a while of making one-foot putts, you'd be like, this is ridiculous. I don't want to do this anymore. So as a coach, as a golf coach, what we're trying to do, any coach, as a parent, you're trying to give them a challenge, challenge point, that is just above, as close as you can, just above their current skill level. And it gives them a little bit of taste of victory, but it also gives them a little bit of taste of defeat or struggle. We call it struggling on purpose. I think that's a Trevor Reagan term, struggling on purpose, um, to, to see, you know what, if I work just a little bit harder and get one stroke better – I'm going to achieve whatever my whatever my goal is. Now, op 36, starting at 25 yards and then 50, most of the time, 
it's pretty close to the right challenge for a beginner. In some cases where somebody's a little bit more coordinated, they might play baseball or basketball or tennis or hockey, it's a little under their challenge and they beat 36 right away, which is okay. They beat 36 from 25 in their first attempt. They go right to 50 yards. If anything, what we found is we want to err on the side of under-challenging them slightly on the golf course and actually giving them the steering wheel to figure out how hard they want to make this thing. And then when they get to 50, 100 is pretty hard. Like for a beginner golfer, when they get to 100 yards, they actually have to start hinging their wrists. They have to make decent contact. They have to hit it somewhat straight. And they most of the time have to two-putt. So 100 yards is pretty darn hard. We've had some students that it's taken them 30, 40, 50 attempts to get through 100 yards. 150 is pretty hard. 200 is a really tough one as well. And I would have never have thought that when we first started. I would have kind of laughed at it and go, 100 is a piece of cake. Come on, you just hit a wedge on the green. But for these people that have never, you know, had a decent grip and seen a decent ball flight, making a four from 100 yards is pretty darn hard. I feel like uh, a lot of the times I came from a baseball background, so I've been seeing ball flights, whether or not that's a baseball or a golf ball, my whole life, right? And so, but I, when you said that last sentence, a light bulb went off in my brain, and I was like, "Holy cow!" I'm like, this op thirty six stuff, like it, it, it seems, especially to a um, an athlete that's been that's been an athlete for a very long time, you're like, "Oh yeah, fifty yards, that's cake." But for I never really really put together the the value of seeing decent ball flights from a short distance all the way back. Because like you said, with the guy that was pumping balls into the trees, I never realized how easy it was to give up if that's all you know. So um, I think in some ways too, just thinking back to kind of the origin of, of this, um, of this whole theory, what I think is beautiful that you've done through the book is that you've, you figured out this amazing way to facilitate this mindset into a concrete way that people can then figure out easily. It's a simple concept, but you've facilitated it, I mean, beautifully. So, uh, And it's all based around confidence building, which I'm just, I'm loving. Yeah, one of, one of the other things I think is really neat that you kind of hit on there is, like, kids are actually really stinking smart. And if the skill is under-challenging to them, if there's something to come right behind it, they will ask for it. So I've taken kids that are super beginners and like they, you know, an iron off the ground can be very challenging for any beginner. The amount of precision that's required is is very high. And so like I'll have it on a low tee for some of my ladies or even some of my adult men that are picking up the game for the first time and haven't really had any sports experience. And like, they're like, so when do I take the tee away? I was like, they'll tell you. The kid will tell you when he's ready for to take the tee away. And they'll put it back yep. in there if they struggle. I'm doing it with my four and my six-year-old. Like, if they want to put it on the tee, they'll put it on the tee. If they don't, they don't. Like, and if they struggle off the ground, they'll put the tee back in there. Like, yep. they know what to do if we start them small enough and they have fun and have some success. And you guys have put that together in a format that I think is beautiful. Uh, there's an app that's built with it, too, so, like, we can kind of track progress. And we haven't used it in its full capacity yet, partly because I don't have the bandwidth to do all of that with everything else we're doing. But um, it's been really kind of fun for several of the kids that are actually in my pre-elites this year. They've really used that app a lot. And so it's been really good for them to, like – get excited about it. They like putting in their practice and their score and they like seeing points and all that. Um, so 
I think one of the things like I'd like to kind of ask you about since we're 50, 50 for adults now is how's sure. this working for adults? Um, how's it getting there? Like what's been the feedback? Cause you know, you typically think adults would tend to push back on something so simple or basic, um, in concept. Um, but I like pulling from page 32. This chapter was awesome, by the way. Um, Dr. Jordan Peterson, who's super popular right now, um, but never solve someone's problem by removing from them the opportunity to solve the problem. That's theft. I'll protect you at the cost of your ability to protect yourself. That destroys people's adaptive competence. And it's something like <clears throat> I've pushed on our parents for my pre-elites and my elites this year. I said, for the next four months, I don't want you to teach them anything. Be their parent. Be there for them. Let us do what we know how to do. I've got somebody on the golf course. I've got me on the swing, and we've got practice journals and, like, let them struggle. We'll help them through it, but we're not going to solve it for them. And they're not going to solve a problem until they have a problem. And so you've got to let them have their problems. But um, I think this is a kind of an awesome quote to transition into, like, how do we – how have adults, adults received it? My ladies seem to like it, but they kind of like, well, this is too simple. I have a few of them that are that way that have played maybe a little longer. Um, yeah. But how are other places doing it and why is it so successful for adults? Sure. So uh, once again, we didn't intend to get into the adult market. That was not our intention. Um, one of the moms had tapped us on the back early on and said, hey, will you do this for us? I'm very frustrated. I want to play the game with my husband, but I don't know how to get started. And I've taken a few lessons on the driving range. and I still don't even know how to mark a golf ball and get it in the hole. We said, all right, well, we'll try all this and see if this will work. If, can you get a, a few of your friends in the area to come? And they had six women showed up and we're like, Oh my goodness, six women. All right. How do we do this? Do we do this differently than juniors? Okay. Let's see what happens and let's make some adjustments. And the interesting thing with the ladies in particular, because like I said, we're 50% adults, but of those 50% adults were 92% ladies, something like that, 92 or 93% ladies. So it's mostly ladies that really enjoy this concept. And when you get them together in a group or a community, of like ability so if they all start out the same they all start out as complete beginners they really start to attach to each other and enjoy the process because they we're back here after some technical difficulties we're going to continue with the question that was posed earlier <laughs> ryan do, uh, do you remember where you were at in your thought process a little bit i I think we were talking about uh, we were talking about ladies and how ladies uh, use the program a lot. Yeah. yeah so uh, the the ladies market is an interesting market to learn from, and that they they want to know that it's been done before, and they want to know that other people are doing it. So the interesting thing with the app you mentioned that Scott is when the ladies see that there's other ladies around the country and the world doing it, and they see others at the club doing it. And when they go out in the evenings to practice and other people are practicing from 150 yards or 100 yards, it's a buzz starts at the club of like, ah, maybe that's the way that we should we should start playing the game or maybe that's the way I should get my spouse into the game. And then when the club really takes hold of it and promotes the scores, like Mary Smith shot 34 this week, Jane, Jane Smith shot 37 this week, and then everybody at the club's like, what? What, is, what are they doing in Op 36 to make them so good? <laughs> and 
and then they promote like the hole in ones because you'll always get somebody to make a hole in one from 25 or 50 yards and then they're just so excited that they made a hole in one and uh it just naturally works very very well for the ladies there's some men's groups that it works well for too a little bit of ego swallowing to have to start close to the hole for them but to be honest with you there's a lot of guys that know that their short game is atrocious and they know that they can't chip they know that they can't putt and the only reason they're in the four-man scramble is because every once in a while they can hit a good drive it's not because they can putt so for them up 36 sometimes is a good fit there's other facilities that have done couples op 36 where the husband and the wife do it in the same class um but i would say that the the ladies for the most part really appreciate the classes that are in between the nine hole events so they go out in nine hole event they shoot a 45 they want help coach ryan how do i get better well let's use the curriculum we'll start in level one we'll work on your grip we'll get that a little bit better you can demonstrate that to me we'll go out play again in your nine hole event see how that goes and they come back to the class they really wrap their head around understanding i go play then i come practice with my coach then i play again and i practice with my coach again and i keep doing that feedback loop as many times as i want to do until i get as good as i want to because there's never really been a really good feedback loop for beginners like the beginner mantra right now is five lessons good luck right? It's get golf ready. Five lessons, good luck. Versus if we had some sort of feedback loop where they play, practice, play, practice, play, practice, that might solve some of the challenges that we're having and getting some of the players that don't want to play or don't enjoy the game out. Well, I think that's why you're seeing the growth of a lot of these short courses now, not even par yes. threes. Um, we're we're hope, hopefully going to do some stuff. Uh, we have an area that we do short game stuff in. And possibly putting in some like big holes and just, you know, mow it fairway height kind of thing and just it'd be fun and playful. And um, so we've got some ideas out there to use that space, you know, at least in the short term until we do something bigger with it. But no, you're, you're right. It's can I do it? Can I be successful with it? I like the idea of, of promoting it beyond that. Um, you kind of touched on something that's kind of one of my last questions that I always like to kind of cater to our listener to, right? Is how does the, let's say the weekend golfer take this to take these principles to the golf course? Like, what would you suggest they do? Even if there's not an op 36 program running for them, like what is it about this that they can utilize and challenge themselves to get better and be able to enjoy the game uh, more since we do have a, a large number of people in that category? And before you answer that, Ryan, I would say sustainably, too. I feel like a lot of people will get into golf because all my buddies are into golf, right? But right. it seems like Op36 is an amazing way to make golf sustainable. So I'd love for you to touch, touch sure. on that as well as far as longevity. Right. Um, that's a good question, especially in the, the segment that we're in. Uh, a large part of our success in this model is because of the community that's created at the golf course. It's like CrossFit. You wake up in the morning, you don't want to go, right? But your buddy's going to be there at 5.30, so you're going to get up and you're going to work out with it, right? So that's part of the reason why Out 36 works is you get 30 or 40 people that have a nine-hole event on Saturday night. They have a tea time. They're going to show up. They're going to participate. And as you guys know, in golf, to get better at golf, you have to actually play golf. So the more often they play, the better they get. 
to try to do op 36 on your own, you can certainly do that. You just need a growth mindset. You need a mindset of I'm here to learn and figure out what I need to work on. Right. You can't go into it thinking, you know, everything, but I would say if you're on your own, let's say you're in South Dakota and you've got a eight year old son and you really want to get him into the game, go out 25 yards away from the center of the green, drop a ball, let him hit it on the green and try to get it in right down a six, go to the second hole, 25 yards away, have him do it again. Don't say anything, right? Like you're trying to let them solve the problem. Like that's the biggest thing. Adaptive competence means you have the competence to make the adjustment to get it right. And if the parent solves that, if the parent solves that, I see it all the time in baseball. My one boy, my one boy is in kind of semi-travel ball. And when the parents are yelling, you know, don't swing at the high ball. Don't swing at the – I mean, they're not allowing the kid to figure out what's going on. And in golf, I see that happen all the time where the kid takes out the seven iron and the dad's like, no, 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 no this is a five iron. And you're like, well, you've just completely – lost the learning experience that that kid would have had by hitting a seven iron short. Like you, you've done more harm by solving the problem for him than if you would have just let him hit the seven iron short and let Scott, the coach come over and go, Hey, why do you think the seven iron went short? And then the kid goes, Oh, maybe it wasn't the right club. And then they start to figure out what's going on. So that kid in South Dakota, 25 yards away, play nine holes with him, write down a 45, go have a hot dog and French fries and ask him, how do you get one stroke better? That's it. And then come back next and do it again. (laughs) This is back to like my fundamental understanding of when you look at like child development psychology, like one of the things that makes kids so awesome is their ability to solve hard problems. They're actually better problem solvers than adults are. And parents step in too early and we actually coach that out of them. And so you have to let them sit in the struggle. And, you know, one of the things I enjoy telling parents about is like, if I were to get out of golf for whatever reason, I would want to be a teacher of, of math. Like that was, that was my degree. Like I'd want to teach math. And if I'm in high school, first day of class, I'm going to give you an exam. And it's going to count towards your grade. And parents are going to be like, what are you doing? My kid got a D minus. I was like, good. I know where your kid is. Like, I need to know where they are. And guess what? They can solve it. And guess what? They also have a problem. And now they have to solve the problem. They're not being told, hey, you're just in this grade. You're smart. Well, you're not. They know they're not. Like, kids aren't stupid. And we continue to, well, they, you, we can make them stupid. Like, we can make it where they can't solve their own problems. And it's so much of an issue. Like, some of the consulting I'm doing for universities right now, I was like, you all are in every decision that they make on the golf course. It's like, well, I walk away and they struggle. I was like, they're struggling with you anyway. Like, let them struggle. And I know there's like, you know, my head's on a chopping block, but it's like, if you would do that for six months your kids would get a whole lot better. And I love the way that Ryan's formulating the questions. It's like, what could you do to get one shot better? Give people the opportunity to try and do it themselves. And if they're wrong, they're wrong. Let them go try and let them see, you know, maybe that isn't it. I thought I need to chip it closer. Well, you, you four putt at every green. So there's that, but yeah. And the way I'll wrap it up too is, is the beauty from the parents is that if you approach teaching your child either golf or anything 
I think a lot of parents have some insecurities around, well, if I don't tell them what to do, they're not going to reach their full potential, right? I feel like that is something that a lot of parents might think when in reality, if like, let's say I had a parent who would ask questions in, in the op 36 way, let's just say that in the way that Ryan, you've been phrasing them. I will look back on that, let's say when I turn 18, and I'll say, you know what? My dad taught me how to think instead of he taught me how to golf. He taught me how to think, and I think that's one of my biggest takeaways for a lot of people who are like, oh, college shouldn't exist anymore. You can just watch a YouTube video and learn whatever you want. It's like, no, because university for me taught me how to think, and I think that is a super – and I don't know if you'd agree with this, Ryan. I think that is a missing component to the way that a lot of new skills feel – too daunting to a lot of people, whether that's a an, an adult in their 50s or, or a child that's seven. And so I just think that that's a, a beautiful way that this not only teaches you how to gain confidence and be a better golfer, but it also teaches you how to think in ways as well. 100%. And, uh, and to, to show empathy to parents, because, I mean, I struggle as a parent too, like our, our intention at home, like our purpose at home is to keep them safe, right? Like, when they're about to put their hand on the stove, like I can do the Jordan Peterson and let him burn his hand. Right. <laughs> and he's learned. Right. But I'm not going to let him burn his hand. I'm going to say, Hey, TR quit it. Get your hand away. But on the golf course or in a hobby or in violin or gymnastics or whatever they're doing as a parent, you just need to take a quick pause, put a different hat on and go, all right, I'm a cheerleader now. I'm just on the sidelines. I'm here to support them and love them no matter what. And there's some awesome parents out there. There really are. And the vast majority of parents are really, really good. And they come up and they ask me and they go, Ryan, what should I do? What shouldn't I do? And I'll tell them. Every once in a while you get a parent and they only do it because they love their kid, right? They're not doing it because they're purposely trying to ruin their experience. It's the only thing they know. They know, stop it. Get off the hot stove. Don't hit the seven iron. Hit the five iron. Right. Mm. Like that's what they that's what they know. So uh, as coaches, a lot of times and Scott, I'm sure you've had to do this, too. It's just like showing them what to do, what not to do, what's productive, what's not productive. Hey, your son's here for a private lesson. Why don't you not stand over my shoulder? Why don't you go over there and hit seven irons while we do the lesson over here? I think your son will be a little bit more relaxed. And I think the last chapter, I think it's chapter nine and chapter eight in the book, do a really good job of showing parents that the best thing that you can do is hug them and love them no matter what happens in the car ride home. And that ice cream and that French fry and that hot dog means a lot more to them than what they shot on the course. (laughs) And they love that meal and they'll remember that meal that you have with them because they want to come back not only for the golf, but also for the meal. You know, it's funny for me to kind of wrap it up here. This is so good. And, and the content in this book whether you have a kid or not, or, you know, maybe your kid's too young to play golf, it's a wonderful read, but it's also great just to, you have some awesome stuff in here on mindset, on feedback in your practice, like, it's not just for juniors, there's some really good stuff in here, and I love the way that you wrote it that way, uh, even though it is geared for parents uh, in their junior golfer, but is, when I was growing up playing golf, we didn't have Op 36, but... We had a little golf course in northern Ohio called Wasicket. And I have no idea how much it cost to play, but it couldn't be more than like 11 bucks to play nine holes kind of place. And we would go once a week in the summer because it's all you can play golf in the winter up, <laughs> up north. We go play once a week. And 
I don't remember what I shot ever. Uh, and remember, I was playing with my buddies, and we got hot dogs and a chip and a drink and a soft drink at when we were done. Nine holes. That's all I remember. I have no idea. Like we kept score, but like I, I don't remember if there's a scoreboard present. I don't know that it mattered. But you're right. I honestly I don't remember at all. <laughs> What I shot, uh, I mean, me and a couple of my buddies, we practiced probably more than the other kids, and so we were a little ahead, but we played together all the time. So you're right. It's like I think that's one of the reasons why I've, I've enjoyed the game. I like that it's hard. I like that it's challenging. Damn. And Op 36 gives you to learn how to have an appropriate level of challenge as you learn and play. So um, asking what? Oh, uh, Ryan, if you'll do this for us, what do you want to plug? I mean, we've got listeners all over the country. Um, we just got notification that we're one of the top 25% podcasts in the country, in the world right now. So that's kind of exciting. That's awesome. Congrats, um, guys. But uh, obviously your book, like where can people find it? Um, where can they learn more about Operation 36? Because we have people listening all over the world. So, um, yeah. And is there anything new on the horizon you'd like to share with, with Op 36? Sure. So uh, the book can be is live. It was live as of I, I can't remember the exact date, but I, it's on Amazon. You can type in "How to Create a Junior Golfer." It'll get you in two days. I think it's under ten dollars, and somebody can read it in a couple hours. So that that would be probably that would probably be step one, uh, just to read the book to see if somebody's interested. If they want to go to op thirty six dot golf, that's our website. If they're trying to find a program, they can click uh, find a program in the top right. If there's nothing around them. There's a button at the bottom that says there's no programs around me and that'll come directly to us and we will reach out and ask if you want us to reach out to facilities in their area uh, to see if they want to if they want to join in on op 36 and the interesting thing is op 36 is a wonderful platform for people to learn how to play the game but it's also a wonderful opportunity for a young instructor if they're trying to create like you were saying after covid a base of a base of students and revenue it's a wonderful opportunity for them because they can attach to the brand right like they can they can get op 36 branding and they can put the books in the pro shop and then people will immediately come in and give them credibility and sign up and they can create a business they can create a business for them which is really really neat in terms of on the horizon um it only took us three years to write the book um so uh I'm not sure if another book's coming pretty soon, but um, yeah, I mean, we're we're just trying as best as we can to help people fall in love with the game. Um, I, I think there's a, an inherent goal at some point for somebody to excel at the game to a level where they could win a major championship someday and say, hey, I started the game from 25 yards away. That would be kind of cool. We've got some kids that have been in the program for 10, 12 years. There's a couple stories in the book where they're now playing in college. They started out with us as complete beginners. Interesting story in the back of one boy who's been with us for 10 years. He's now shooting in the 60s in junior tournaments, top 30 in the state. And I asked him the other day, I said, Michael, do you get nervous when you shoot these low scores? And he said, no, Mr. He calls me Mr. Daly. He said, no, Mr. Daly, I've been shooting low scores my whole life. That's so, so good. Because he started at 25 yards and was shooting like 38s and 39s. I shot like 70s for nine holes when I started. So anytime I get two, three under, I get a little bit nervous. I get a little fidgety. But he, he's he been shooting those scores his whole life. So that's that's kind of the goal on the horizon. And then now that we're um, owned by Golf Genius, that gives us a lot more ability to expand our technology. 
uh, to make the app better and better and better, connect communities better, which we need to do a better job of. So like if there's a junior at your place, Scott, connect it with a junior in North Carolina, uh, maybe not pen pals, but connect them so they know each other and they see each other, they can motivate each other. And then maybe someday they'll play against each other and just try to connect them would be a cool way to do that. Well, Ryan, man, like, thanks so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. Um, I think that you've just not only created uh, or facilitated a system that is really going to be known worldwide, but it's just amazing how many different avenues you can go down with this principle. And so we really appreciate you coming on. Guys, again, if you guys want to check out how to create a junior golfer, make sure to check it out on Amazon. Um, Ryan, thanks so much for coming on, man. We really appreciate you. Sure, absolutely. Thanks for thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. I do want to give a shout out to Matt Reagan, co-author, co-founder. Didn't get a chance to be on here with me today, but he's been instrumental in the last 13 years we've been at this trying to figure it out. Um, so I appreciate you guys taking the time to have us on. Let us tell our story. We love it. Thanks for having us, man. As always, uh, you can go check out uh, Strixon and Arcos as well. We'll use our promo code 1RULE15 for Arcos as well. Um, and also go and by How to Create a Junior Golfer um, by Ryan and Matt. So, y'all, thanks so much. From Scott and Jack in here in the studio here at Franklin Bridge. We'll see you on the next one.